With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann. De Bruyne. And it is what Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinker. It's game week 10, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. The games are starting to come thick and fast for a little bit of a while, and then we're going to get stopped by another international break. But I'm joined for this episode of Game Week 10 fixtures by executive producer Guy Drinkle. And Guy, the reason you're on is because we are finally, so I'm led to believe, ready to nominate the a tad predictable 2023-24 team of the season. That's the team that the podcast is going to be rooting for this season. How are you feeling? Obviously, a lot of responsibility on you being a spokesman for for the rest of the crew. Um, so we've got their nominations. We've got three teams that have been nominated. But are, are you feeling any pressure? I feel like we could save some teams here to do. We could let some sink as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard process it's a saddening process for the teams that don't get it as well look i mean the one thing is with a tad predictable all the teams that we've chosen to be the team of the season we've got a pretty good record they've all done relatively well we had brighton to start off with then we had crystal palace during the Vieira era when they were actually good um How then <laughs> then last season Last season, we had Aston Villa, who are obviously continuing that good form. And bear in mind, we chose Aston Villa after Steven Gerrard got fired. I I thought you had some underhanded tactics to do with that. Almost the day Gerrard got fired is when all of a sudden the team of the season was being decided on. And lo and behold, Aston Villa turned the season around and did really well. So either there's a lot of pressure on us to, to help a team out this season or... You know, I, I, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I feel like we've picked quite well. This year seems a bit tougher, though, to my... Seems like there's some teams there that... Not irredeemable. Maybe Sheff- Sheffield United are a bit. But they're... Spoiler, they're not They're not in the running because we our powers only go so far. <laughs> um, but Look, the, our esteemed yeah. panel, our esteemed yes. panel uh, was not keen to have them even nominated. If they're not going to try, why should we? <laughs> Fair. All right, Guy. Well, with that teaser in the bag, let's get on to the fixtures for game week 10. 
Um, and then halfway through, we'll discuss which team will nominate, which teams have been nominated and, and we'll discuss the merits of all of them and pick a team and then continue with the rest of the fixtures. Now, obviously, game week nine is not finished yet. Tottenham Hotspur playing this evening. Um, obviously, they still got their game to go against Fulham. It's at the Tottenham, the hot toddy, as, as I call it, uh, the Tottenham Stadium. They are the first fixture of game week 10 as well. They play uh, Crystal Palace at Salas Park at eight o'clock. I mean, I'm going to get into how tasty a fixture that is just now. But obviously, at time of recording, the Spurs game is just about to kick off. So we don't have that knowledge. Obviously, by the time the listeners listen to this podcast, they will know the the outcome of that game. So I don't necessarily want to predict too much about what's going to happen in that game. If you want any thoughts that you want to to make, any bold predictions you want to make before before that game, by all means do so. But then um, I will swiftly move us on to Crystal Palace Spurs, which is low-key one of the games I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, just before I start, I do have COVID people, so if I sound nasally, my bad. I will try and not cough into the microphone as well. But if I sound different, that's probably why. Um, yeah, but this game... <clears throat> Failed at the first chance, um, <laughs> but this game, um, it's almost a shame there's so many injuries for Crystal Palace. Unless as a, uh, I know Lisa wasn't too far away last week um, when we when uh, me and Dave were speaking about it, but uh, no as a no Elisa at the minute. Um, not a lot of creativity. Um, I know that Brazilian guy's not had a um, not had a chance yet. I think he's been injured, but it's. Like, it's just a really dull team when you take out those two key components. It's a real shame. Um, but in terms of Spurs, obviously without the Fulham game as reference, they've been really good to the start of the season. Liverpool game, dodgy, whatever. They t- they took advantage of a weird situation and did what they need to do. Um, but they've been really good. Madison's been excellent. Son's been excellent. Um, defense has been excellent. The goalkeeper's been really good, considering the money spent on some goalkeepers this um, uh, last summer. Um, he's probably up there in goalkeeper terms as a bargain. I think he was like seventeen million. What was Onana fifty-five, fifty? Um, it's not good luck, guys. Um, but he's been really good. I think the only issue for Spurs is depth, really. But I suppose they're also getting players like Benton Kerr back soonish, I think. I'm sure I've seen him back in training. I might have been making stuff up there. Um, but I suppose the only negative is probably Richarlison at the minute. Because I think everyone thought as soon as Kane goes, he'll probably play in his normal position up front and the team, and the forward line, maybe not built around him, but he'll get a prolonged run as an, for an opportunity. And we're only in October, and he's already found himself in a rotation position. Like Son's probably taken the up top position. Richarlison, Brennan Johnson, um, Manus Solomon were rotating before all the injuries they picked up. So that's probably the only negative for them. But in terms of the game itself, um, bar Fulham beating Spurs 12 <laughs> 0, I don't think my confidence will get shocked too much, but. Without the creativity of Pal- in the Palace side, I don't think they'll be able to hurt Spurs too much. Um, I'll go Spurs. Um, Spurs two, 
2-0. Oh, a confident start there. Um, from my end, the reason why I was looking forward to this game is because any fixture that's at Sellers Park in the evening is one of my favourite fixtures. It's one of my favourite grounds to go to in the evening kickoffs. It just seems so lively. The reason why I think that Palace have some sort of chance in this game is not necessarily because of the way they've played this season. Um, and I kind of bury the lead with, with how much I buried um, them when I was talking about when we had Crystal Palace as the team of ATP uh, a couple of seasons ago with Vieira. They played more exciting football. I mean, last season when Roy came in, I thought he came in at a time when they had the easy fixtures. They had just finished the run of bad fixtures. And I thought the timing was a bit unfortunate for Vieira to get let go. He could have picked up some points there and hopefully continued what I thought was a, a decent job and a, a decent rebuild that he was doing there. It just seems like the little bit of attacking influence that Roy had when he first came in last season, it's all disappeared as you've mentioned, obviously they've got um, serious injuries to very key players and that might be affecting the way they play. But at the moment, I'm just not inspired. I do think they have some players that could come in and, and be exciting, but they're just not being given a chance at the moment. And unfortunately for them, coming up against such an attacking, free-flowing team like Tottenham, it's going to be a really, really, really long evening for them. The only hope is that the crowd, the atmosphere there can lift the players to put in a performance that, that carries them through the game. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that we haven't seen the likes of um, Armada, etc., who I, I think are young, exciting players that could probably not obviously execute to the levels that, um, you know, the Zahas were doing and Olisi last season, Eze as well. But I think they could bring some sort of excitement to the team and, and maybe bring an attacking threat. I don't think Tottenham are as sound defensively as they could be. Um, and that might probably be their downfall this season if, if they have hopes of challenging for a title. I still think they need to sort that um, defensive stability out if they are going to stay there, you know, top of the table for long extended periods of time this season. But this game, I think it's a good game for, for Tottenham. The fixture is quite friendly to them in terms of when they're playing Crystal Palace. Uh, um, with Crystal Palace having all these injuries. I've gone 3-0 to Tottenham in this one. I'm looking forward to the atmosphere. I'm hoping that Crystal Palace's crowd can can help the, the, the team and obviously the team then give the crowd more impetus to to cheer. And it's sort of, it, it's, a, it's a give and take type of situation for them. But I have to go with my head here. And I just don't see how Tottenham don't rack up a lot of goals with their attacking creativity and also Crystal Palace struggling to string uh, attacks themselves. Let's move on to Chelsea versus Brentford. Now, Chelsea, uh, we we ran a poll on, on a tad predictable Twitter account where we were looking for, and we, we do it every week at the, at the start of the week, um, the winners and losers of the game week that's just gone on, or especially the weekend games. In terms of biggest losers, at the moment, Chelsea lead the race with 64% of the vote. Um, obviously, there's Chelsea in that one. There's Crystal Palace there. West Ham and Everton um, are, are, are the other teams that would have been competing for that biggest losers award for this past weekend. 
It's always City Everton. It's always, it's always Everton. Everton right? have fifteen percent. They're in second place with fifteen. West Ham ah. have twelve percent. Crystal Palace have nine percent. But guy, sixty-four percent for Chelsea. They were looking very comfortable in that game. Surprisingly so, I must say, considering what Arsenal have been in recent history. But Chelsea were cruising to a win, and all of a sudden they just opened the door for Arsenal to get a goal, get some sort of confidence, and somehow pull off a draw. And then the the fixtures don't get easy for Chelsea. They went through their easy patch, much to the chagrin of um, Jackson owners in fantasy. Now they're going through their difficult patch of, of games. Losing to losing effectively two points when you had a two 0 lead and you were comfortable in a game does not bode well for you know the rest of the fixtures coming up because it just puts even more pressure on a game like the one against Brentford to go and get three points. Brentford are playing well. They had that three nil impressive win over the the weekend. Um, Buemo is back to to scoring goals and assisting, which I'm I'm sure is good for fantasy owners. Not so good for me who took him out of my team this week. But Guy, this is shaping up to be a really tasty game if we get the performance that we saw from Chelsea early on in that game this weekend. And then obviously Brentford continued the the, the good form that they've left this weekend with. Yeah, I think it's a bit harsh on Chelsea to be fair. They did bottle it a bit, but they still got a draw with Arsenal. That's a very good result for a team that has not clicked at all this season so far, apart from against promoted teams. Um, so I'd say that's a bit harsh to win the poll by that much, especially when Everton exists. Um, but I think what they should take the positive from that Arsenal game is, and that's the midfield's looking better. I think Caicedo's certainly settling into life. Um, Kukurea looks a bit more like he's brightening himself there. So I suppose they could maybe stop with the Colwell at left-back thing. I know De Sassi was coming back from injury. I think he was on the bench, but I don't think he was fit enough to start. So maybe if they want to play a actual left-back at left-back, um, Britt maybe a tad more balance there. Um, the attack without Jackson looked pretty good, to be fair. Um, Mudrick scored a cross. I don't think that means he's arrived or anything. But he, he does look a bit better... I mean, he doesn't look like a £90 million winger, but he looks a bit better. They'll have to be patient with him because he's got like an eight-year contract or whatever. I think if you break it down to the individual, I think Sterling Palmer looks really good. Caicedo, Enzo looked really good. Gallagher looked good, to be fair, even though I wouldn't say he's one they'd want in the team long, long term. Um, and defensively, really like Colwell. Thiago Silva's good at what he does because he was an excellent player still is excellent in some regard but I think he does limit them a bit still like they play so deep and when they push up a bit against against these worst teams who they've been struggling against you you see the spaces there not to be um it is to be got at um so it may suit them to play better teams because they can play a bit deeper um it's a strange one but Brentford I kept Wissa because I'm a hero and I don't stop. <laughs> I've got him on got him on two from uh, fantasy things. Um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I think 
if it was Brentford last year without all these injuries, and that might just be the key thing, is injuries, I'd almost think they'd have a really good chance because they could let Chelsea come onto them um, and they could spring onto the counter-attack. But without the solidness, solidity, that's what I'm looking for, solidity of like Ben Mee at the back, maybe you don't want to bring all that pressure onto your centre-backs when they're struggling a bit, and obviously there's full-back injuries, and etc. Um, but if they can keep it solid at the back and counter-attack with Mbwemo and Wissa, um, and whoever else can join them, I think they could score goals. I'm just not sure. It's a tough one, because I think they've both got good defences, and they can go, they're both a bit hit and miss going forward as well. I think I will... I'll back Chelsea and say they've started somewhat of a decent run. And I'll go 2-1 to Chelsea. But I think that could be a fun game and that could be anything. I've gone the exact reverse of that. 2-1 to Brentford. I I think they're going to exploit that counter-attack situation and, and they're going to bear fruit with a couple of goals in that one. The the one thing I will say about Chelsea, Guy, is I I get it. I heard it a lot more, I guess, from Liverpool fans, you know, laughing at the performances of Caicedo early on this season, obviously because some of them or most of them or a lot of them are still hurt that he didn't end up there. So the only natural thing to do is to laugh when that player doesn't perform well for for the team they end up going to. My thing with Chelsea has been, yes, the spending hasn't necessarily looked like it's had a plan. But what they have done is they've gotten a whole bunch of really young, talented players together. It's going to come right at some point. It's just whether or not how long Pochettino is going to be able to extend that purple patch when it happens. We know with young players, they're going to be inconsistent, but they also can have purple patches. And I just think if they can get, you know, four, maybe five of their players to all click and be in a purple patch at the same time, I really do think they could be quite an exciting team to watch this season. But yeah, I just fancy Brentford on the counter-attack in this one, um, and we'll see how that goes. The team that benefited from that game that we just mentioned, um, Chelsea versus Arsenal, was Arsenal, I thought. They were dead and buried in this game. They had no hope of you know, getting points in this game. Uh, and... It takes a moment like that where an error from a goalkeeper and somehow, you know, they get a goal well taken by Rice to to take that that finish. And obviously, many people that have recently been watching the David Beckham documentary will have fond memories of him, um, you know, getting that goal from the halfway line. Um, obviously, it's not quite from the halfway line, but it's still a shot from far. Um, he executed well, fair play to him. I don't know if you have worries about Arsenal the way I do or not, but it still feels to me like Arteta is trying to reinvent a wheel that doesn't need to be reinvented. I don't understand why Jorginho started that game. Maybe it had to do with um, the international break and players coming back either uh, you know fit or tired or, or injured, carrying niggles, etc. But he seems to be doing some weird things with his team and, and the way he's wanting them to play. Odegaard all of a sudden is not as involved as I think he needs to be. Obviously, they they have that um, issue with Saka where he's basically playing injured at the moment and you just hope that he can you know hold on for, for the season. But 
fortunately for Arsenal, they're coming up against a team that's... I do think at times Sheffield United have been unfortunate this this season. They've had some decent performances and just ended up losing or, or, or drawing a game, um, you know, quite late on. I just don't think they have the quality to to handle an Arsenal. I'll bait a poor performance from Arsenal last time out. I'm, I'm expecting a response from Arsenal. It's at the Emirates. The fans will want a response, certainly. I'm going to go straight out with my score. I'm going 3-0 to Arsenal. Yeah, I think the sad thing is they probably don't even need a big response from Arsenal. I think the, the gap in quality is just is just vast. Uh, and it is annoying because I think you look at the last time Sheffield United came up, it wasn't like a, a star-filled team. It was just full of... If you're not, if you didn't watch the championship, like most people, um, or most Premier League fans, I should say, not most people, um, you didn't hear a lot of their team. And you, you come in at this time, and you see a mix of lads who were there last time and and struggled in that second season, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and then obviously selling all the lads in the summer, etc. But don't, don't delve too much into that. Um, you just can't, you just can't see a situation where Sheffield United win this game. But on Arsenal, as you said, if you compare Arsenal to the only team who's won the title other than City in in the City era, and that's Liverpool, Liverpool did not rotate at all. Like maybe the we basically binned of all the domestic cups and didn't rotate till winter period. It feels like Arsenal need to go down that route as much as possible to just keep consistency in the team. Like, <clears throat> if you look at their team, you're right. Why is Jorginho playing? I know he, uh, they beat City with him in the team, but that doesn't mean you should be dropping Thomas Partey. The team should just be Thomas Partey, Rice, Odegaard, Saka, uh, depending fitness, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. That should be the team and the defence is the defence. I know they've I know they've got injuries, suspension, yada yada yada. But if that team is there, you pick that team. But every time you see the Arsenal team, it's like you're not Pep Guardiola, mate. He picks random people in midfield every week. He puts a, a, an eighteen year old right back into midfield because he's a man city manager. <laughs> <laughs> the eighteen year old's playing next to Rodri. That's why it works. Um, I know they're not just whacking in random youth lads into the team, but that's an example. They just need need to pick this first eleven as much as they can, and that's how you that's how you topple a team like City. Um, but yeah, I did. In terms of this game, I'll go four 0 Arsenal. Not going to be a pretty day for Sheffield United, and obviously condolences to them not making the shortlist for the ATP team of the season. Let's move on to Bournemouth versus Burnley. Guy, Bournemouth were basically the architects of their own downfall. Um, They were winning that game. I, I do think they were fortunate to be ahead in that game because you saw the business Neto was doing on that right-hand side. What a player he's turning out to be for, for Wolves this season. But you end up, you know, in the lead, you looking quite comfortable in that game in that sense from a scoreline perspective, maybe not necessarily from a performance perspective. You go into halftime, you assume the coach has given them a, a good halftime team talk to get everyone on board, ready to, you know, at least keep them out for the next, t- the first 10 minutes after halftime. 
settle into the half and then we'll see what we do afterwards. They concede in the 47th minute. It's a brilliant, you know, build up and, and, and goal. But nonetheless, you're still conceding way too soon after half time. And then to compound things, not 10 minutes later, Cook is, you know, winding his head in there, getting a red card. It just seemed like one mistake after the other from Bournemouth led to 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 their downfall and then obviously late on in the game you've seen out the best part of a half with 10 men you're finally about to get your point and it's a mess up you know the goal kick is kind of a bit shaky billing gets the ball he tries to drive out the ball gets stuck under his feet Wolves capitalize on it. Brilliant build up again for this goal as well. I can understand the frustration if, if not necessarily, um, you know, uh, I mean, I can understand the frustration if, if you are, you know, and, and Doni looking at that and saying, okay, we, we had the three points. We concede straight after half time, get a red card. Okay. We survived the red card. We'll take the point and we'll regroup. And then a mistake like that, an unforced error, ends up costing you um, another two, um, you know, uh, a, a point there. It, it must be really frustrating for him, especially when you consider at the beginning of the season, Guy, I thought Bournemouth looked quite exciting. They were still working out some of the kinks, but they looked like they could cause problems for teams. They're now getting into that pattern of, they're just not getting results. And we've seen in this league, it's very easy to just slide down where you're getting, you know, where initially you were doing good performances, you're losing games, and then all of a sudden you're just in this funk where you can't win games. Are they falling into that? And does he then start getting into a bit of a hot seat? I was excited for him to be their manager. I'm a bit worried about him. And I know I've spent most of my time or all of my time talking about Bournemouth and, and not mention anything about Burnley. But I did feel it was important to to discuss those issues for Bournemouth because I, I would imagine with the excitement they showed at the beginning of the season, they must be quite disappointed looking at the league table, looking at the way they've been um, at the bad end of results this season. And obviously you, you can hopefully speak on, on, on Burnley as well. But yeah, I, I just needed to to get that off my chest with regards to Bournemouth. I'll tell you what to do, Ruff. I've tried to watch match of the day twice <laughs> and I've passed out twice. <laughs> so oh, no. I can't even tell it. Who the hell's a Burnley beat by? Un- understandable though. Understandable yeah. considering, you know, uh, you know what, what you went through. Um, Burnley played Brentford. They, they, con- they got a red card as well in that game. Uh, two yellow cards for, I can't remember who it was, but it was two yellow cards. Um, Connor Roberts, that's who it was. Um, his first yellow card was silly. It was throwing the ball back onto the pitch to waste time. And then the second one whistles on a break and he just takes him down. You know you're going to get a yellow card for that. But yeah, I think, I think... Oi, the- <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Don't get us in trouble with Everton fans already. Um, but I've already look- joked about them three times. <laughs> <laughs> look, the um, I think the game was already gone at that point. Although Burnley had a chance to get to 2-1 be just before that red card because they, they had a chance where um, one of their players sort of just missed the, an open goal. That would have been 2-1. Instead of 2-1, and this is, I guess, what makes football so cruel, 
instead of being 2-1 and trying to get some momentum a la what Arsenal did at Chelsea, they end up getting a red card. The score ends up being 3-0. Yeah, it, it was a tough afternoon for Burnley. Yeah, I mean, without going into the specifics of, of the games I've seen, it feels like um, it feels like they just did too much. And we have seen this in the past few seasons, haven't we? Villa did it, but they... <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they had to do it because they had a lot of loan players. Um, Forrest did it last season, and it didn't really work till two thirds of the way through the season. Maybe after January, he worked a bit better, didn't it? Because they made, they got a few more elderly heads in in January. Whereas Burnley, I think they fell into basically a football manager trap. They just went. Potential five star, current, <laughs> current ability two star. We'll make it work. We've all been there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, I feel like they've just made too many changes too soon. I feel like, um, is it Jamie over on Roundtable? I know you've done a few of them, but I think I heard him say once they've just, why have they not given some of the lads who got promoted like a chance? Even like the goalkeepers at Murich, yeah. who used to be the city backup. Um, did they really have to go spend like 15, 20 odd mil on a city toddler? I know he was good in the under 21s, but did that change have to be made? Did they have to buy, I know they bought Bayer, Bayer, um, who they had last season, stuff like that makes sense. Um, but then they bought like a lot of young centre backs, just go buy who's an experienced head. Maybe it's something stupid off the top of my COVID ridden Strepsil head <laughs> just get like Johnny Evans or something like that or someone like Johnny Evans um, who who just been there and done it um, I know he's got a lot of injuries but just using him as a bad example they just I think they just went down the wrong wrong route um, and the first half of the season I feel like it's going to be a bit painful for them um, but on the other half of that game just opening my phone to remind myself who they're playing <laughs> is Bournemouth um, it's a shame, isn't it? Because I think you you were right what you said. I think Bournemouth looked pretty promising in the early points of the season with, with Iriola, and I I can't remember the I think it might be the Daily Mail, so not the best source, but it wouldn't surprise me if he is the first manager sacked. But at the same time, you made the decision to sack Gary O'Neill. Yes, it's obviously not worked out well because he went to Wolves and they're doing really well. Um, and it- won the revenge game this past yes. weekend. Yes, exactly, which isn't great. Um, I feel like you just got to stick through it. Like, you've obviously, new orders who joined last January, you've had this thought process, we get him, he wants to play the football wheel player, backed him a lot in January, in, um, in the summer. You've got to just stick with him, I'm afraid, because what are you going to do? Go hire another random Spanish manager, or are you going to go and get Big Sam. It's too early for Big Sam. He doesn't appear till April. <laughs> doesn't doesn't happen. But like, you can't be doing that. You, I, I think if you think that was the right process, and the thing is, apart from the Arsenal game, <clears throat> they've basically been in every game. Maybe it's different if you're a Bournemouth fan. But I have what I weirdly I have watched quite a few Bournemouth games, even at the weekend I watched. Up to, I think I watched it to like Brighton got to 2-1 and I put that back on. Um, it 
They've been in most games apart from the Arsenal one to what I've seen. So I feel like it's just a drop of luck or just finding something. Like Lewis Cook's that one of their most experienced players and he gets head yeah. sent off for for laying a head on someone. Like he's an idiot. He can't the manager can't plan for experienced players like that being an idiot. But <clears throat> it's a shame because they spent a lot of money. Like, I like the defence. It's a bit young, so maybe a bit Burnley-ish where they've gone a bit full FM, but it looks somewhat promising. Midfield looks like the issue, and Solanke's prolificness, let's go with that, is obviously an issue. So they've got to find goals from somewhere, but there is something to work with there. And any any other manager that comes in, they're not going to find like a 20-goal scorer in that squad somewhere either. So... If it goes like you're behind Sheffield United by like 10 points, no, no, that's too far. If they start falling behind Luton, Everton to a bad mount, then maybe press the emergency button. But it's so tight down the bottom, I think you just got to go roll with it. But in terms of this game, I'm back in Bournemouth. They're a more settled team. Um... <laughs> excuse me, failed the second time. Uh, Alex Scott came back and looked pretty decent in midfield. Um, maybe jo- Rothwell will play with him um, instead of Lewis Cook or whatever. Um, I'm going to back Bournemouth and I'm going to go 2-1. I don't know where the goals will come from, but it's a standard answer. Look, um, Solanke has shown in the past that he can get on a on a run of, of games scoring goals. I think he has enough goals in him, in his profile, to keep a side like Bournemouth up. Um, as you said, they looked promising. I think you stick with him. I think you publicly come out and say you're going to stick with him, a la what um, Nottingham Forest did with Steve yeah, Cooper last season, because then the players don't have an excuse. There's, there's nowhere to hide. They know, well, look, this manager's staying. I have to perform or I'm not going to be here. It's not a case of, oh, we can get rid of the manager. We can hide behind him and that will be the excuse. I think the fact that the performances were so promising and have been promising for a lot of the season, the results will come. They have to. They will eventually get the rub of the green, I think. They just got to stick with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you with the 2-1 win there. I, I do think... That there is bones there to 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 be revived, and and I think that Andoni is the man to do that. I apologise to Burnley fans that we didn't go into depth with them. Uh, I will hopefully go into more depth about them next week. On TV. <laughs> Look, I, I watched their game, but yeah, let, let's move on to Wolves versus Newcastle. Newcastle um, were one of the teams that were on the poll for biggest winners um, for this past weekend. Currently, though, the lead is held by Aston Villa. We will get to Aston Villa a bit later on. They have 53%. Newcastle have 26%. Luton have 16%. And Wolves have 5%. Now, for Wolves, I I mentioned Neto. He seems to be the focal of that team at the moment. Everything good is going through him. I liked the link-up play that they had with the likes of Aiden Nuri for that first goal um that they scored i, I think they, they they're starting to really tick under gary o'neill surprising a lot of people this season me being the king of those people that are being surprised at the moment with how wolves have you know the players have backed gary o'neill with their performances and have bought into 
what he's trying to do there. It should be a good game, hopefully, for neutrals because it's two sides coming into this game in relatively good form. Newcastle, we know their aspirations this season. They need to capitalize on games like this. Yes, it's it's a tricky game away from home, but if Newcastle are going to be what they 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 they're wanting to be and anticipating to be this season, they have to go and beat Wolves um, away from home. For me, I think they cancel each other out. I've gone with the two-two. I do think both of these attacks Ooh. are exciting. I think. Wolves are going to pull a game out of Newcastle here. And part of my 2-2 score prediction is based on the fact that Wolves are at home. I, I, I think they're coming into this game with confidence and it should be a really, really tasty game. I just remembered last time I was on, we joked about uh, uh, Newcastle's defence. <laughs> and we said Lascelles was playing against Mbappe and then they won 4-0 or whatever it was. They so. really did. Yeah, I'm going to back Newcastle this one, weirdly. <laughs> um, they're going to tonk Dortmund 12 nil, and then they're going to beat Wolves. Uh, no, I think this will be a really good game. It's such a shame Neto was injured for the best part of two years, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> he was back on the road now, but he was well on the way to a monster move, and he just looked like a world-class talent. I'm guessing he's 22, 23. Um but he just seemed to he just seemed to spark into life as soon as he got the chance this season. Um and it's really good to see because I think everyone agreed. I think I remember a couple of seasons ago when he was in the running for the young player of the year. And it was like he was involved with like I think it was like forty, fifty percent of Wolves' goals with assists and goals. And it's like, yeah, I could see it. Like Arsenal are linked all the time, Liverpool have been linked quite a bit, and I'm like Injuries aside, I'd snap your hand off for him. Like, I don't care. I don't know how where he'd play, but I don't care. We'll figure that out later. Uh, but he's a fantastic player. But Wolves Wolves have good players outside of him as well. Like, Cunha's maybe not the most deadly in front of goal, but he's a good player. Kaladzic is a, is a really good impact sub, seemingly, at the min. Maybe it'd be nice to translate that into a start for him. Um, uh, the Korean guy, as Pep called him, <laughs> is... is is showing a lot this season in front of goal. Uh, Huang Hee Chan, not to be disrespectful. Um, but defensively, Sars back as well. Defensively, just very, very steady. Like Craig Dawson, Toti, uh, Kilman. It, it's just a nice group of centre-backs, really. Nothing to write out. Like, I like Kilman. But the others, like, they're just there. It's just, it's just what you want from a Premier League centre-back, really. Just not... Very little mistakes, steady. Um, in terms of the game itself, though, I know Newcastle have had a few injuries, and I'm not sure what it'd be like going into the weekend. Um, They've also got Champions League this week. Yes. Yeah, but they're, they're, they'll easily beat Dortmund. <laughs> I can't, can't go against them now. They're winning the Champions League, I'm afraid. Um, I think it'll be a fun game, as you say. I'll back Newcastle, and I'll go 3-2 Newcastle. I, I always predict 3-2, and it never happens to you, but it will do eventually. One day. One day yeah. you'll get it right. Look, um, obviously, before we leave Newcastle, we can't ignore the elephant in the room with the Sandra Tonali news that broke last week, was it, or two weeks ago? Yeah. For for what it's worth, I, I, 
I think, look, you, sort of, you, you, you do the crime, you do the time. It will be interesting to see what that is and how that translates to affecting Newcastle. I would imagine from a Newcastle perspective, you can't really legislate for, uh, you know, a player doing that. How were they to know? It was a great signing for them at the time. If you look on paper, them being able to sign a player of his quality. Um, but yeah, we, we've seen Newcastle this season show us that they can do it without Sandra Tonali. Um, he obviously started the season hot with that goal on his debut, but they've, they've, they've shown us, Eddie Howe has shown us that they've got, um, players that are performing really well. Longstaff is stepping up at the moment. Um, I think they'll be fine without him, but you you probably do then miss that quality over the course of a season. If he does end up missing parts of this season, I think that's that's where it will be felt, just that depth of quality. Um, but yeah, let's move on, Guy. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a minute or so to recollect your thoughts. Think of which team you're going to back here for the ATP team of the 23-24 season. Let's go to an ad break and we'll be back after these short messages. All right, we're back, Guy. Look, this podcast presented by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, and you guys can check out their services at LibertyShield.com. You can save with the coupon code EPL25. That will get you 25% off of your router or the software VPN. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys will be able to change your location, avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website. Obviously, also go and check out the EPL Index shop on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you'll get 10% off at checkout. Guy. The Etat Predictable team of 23-24 season. The nominations are, once again, Luton, Nottingham Forest, and Fulham. I'll, I'll make a case for all of them. You give me a rebuttal or, or how you're feeling about them. For Luton, a lot of it has to do with the fact that you predicted that they would stay up the season. That was one mm. of your reckless predictions we do at the beginning of the season. Not reckless in that they're necessarily bad predictions, but reckless in that we make them before the transfer window is closed. And I, and I always find it weird that people predict how the Premier League season is going to end, you know, before a transfer window is over, especially with the financial power the Premier League has. has. Teams can change their fortunes with one signing at times. Um, but yeah, we made predictions. One of them was for you to say Luton are going to stay up. I will say I'm leaning towards Luton primarily because I've decided that's going to be the first team I play with on Football Manager when it, when I eventually get the full version of the game. I think comes out early November. I, I'm currently playing the beta version. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with Nottingham Forest because. I thought that was quite a, a settled squad. I didn't have, I didn't want to basically go through a transfer window. Thought it was a nice settled squad. I want to get a feel of the game. So I started one with Nottingham Forest. But when the game comes up properly, it's going to be Luton. We're going to try stay in the Premier League and see where we can take the club going forward. Um, so yeah, that's probably why I'm leaning there because I, I, I think you know that that's a team that I'm maybe going to end up watching a lot of this season. Nottingham Forest. Um, 
I think they could be exciting this season. It's annoying from a personal perspective that Awani is injured again. I thought him being injured last season was a huge factor in them struggling for so long last season before everything started to click. I thought they were impressive with some of the signings they made this uh, transfer window, and I think they could just be a fun team to watch this season. Um, any team that has, you know, fast, tricky wingers is always exciting to watch. Um, Fulham, obviously, they're playing tonight at the moment. I think low-key, they could be a really interesting team this season. They've they've obviously gotten Mitrovic, who, who's, who's now gone from them. But Silva, at the beginning of the season, questions about whether he wanted to be there or not. He seems to have you know won everyone back over from from my perspective at least and i think they're doing okay i think they're doing okay and they could do even better obviously we'll see how the result goes this season they're sitting in 12th place they've got 12 points three 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 in terms of results three wins three draws and three losses i think they're slowly going to get into a groove Paulinho's back i think they have them certainly at least until the January window. I just mm-hmm. think they're a nice, decent team, and that's never a bad team to to root for. Yeah, I think there's a case for all three, really. I think the only thing with Luton, it's a conflict of interest, isn't it? <laughs> like they're obviously going to stay up because it's my only prediction that'll bloody happen. <laughs> um, God, I can't even remember what they were. Oh, West Ham getting relegated. Yeah, that's not happening. Go on, West Ham. If you need to start pulling your finger out there. <laughs> um, Dave Moyes could still be sacked before everyone else. It's fine. Um, no, I think Luton, conflict of interest, because you can't back a team and have me get points. So I think that's, yeah. you've got to ro- rule that one out. But they can be like a side hustle team. They're just like, <laughs> it'd be cool if they stayed up. It'd be like Huddersfield, like a few good few years ago. Forest. It's just me a forest a bit boring. They they they're fun when they're playing counter attack, chasing a game. <laughs> Unfortunately, like every time they're chasing a game, they bring on those fresh, exciting wingers. On I I enjoy watching them personally. Chris Wood rolling back the years, getting goals. Not, that that, that doesn't do anything start, for that's you. Not a good start to the argument that today with Chris. That Wood, doesn't do uh, anything for you, no, Chris no. Wood. No, I mean there is players like like Gibbs White, Alanga, um, Hudson Adoy. Hudson Adoy, maybe I'm just chatting whammy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that centre back who turned into prime Joel Matip the other weekend. Um, Murillo. Murillo, yeah. Um, there's something about Fulham that I feel like they just need our help. All right. You know, they don't have a striker. They need the power of Tadewa. They need the t- power of a tad predictable. Just put the ball in the back of the net, because the rest of it, apart from maybe centre-back, because Tim Ream's old and American. Don't know why I said that. That's probably offended a lot of American people. It just That's offended just, a lot of our yeah, listeners, Guy. Yeah, just at the, me. Just at me. The comments uh, of Guy Drinkle do not represent yeah. the thoughts of a tad predictable podcast. But it, it's weird because D- Diop's picked. He's the Diop's French, and <laughs> I'll say you're just going after all nationalities. Yeah, just best best team in the world for like the best talent pool ever. But you know, he's French and called Diop. It's a shame. Um, what's the centre back called who like refusing to play? Who's pretending to be injured? Oh, um, the English one. I know uh, who you're talking about. But what's, what's the, I will Google it. 
<clears throat> Fulham, centre backs. Tosin. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a shame there's a weird situation going on with him. Because um, I feel like if he was there, you'd have enough options with the great American, Tim Reed. <laughs> um, yeah, Walter uh, Beck now. Diop and Bassi. I feel like they just want away in that position, unless I'm forgetting someone. Um, but Leno's good. Fullbacks are good. Leno's been phenomenal this season. Yeah, even last season, I think he was. I think it was Allison, then him, wasn't it? And like goals prevented. So I think he's kind of become un- underrated because it didn't end too well at Arsenal. But I, I still wouldn't like definitely pick Ramsdale and Raya over him, to be honest. Um, but that's a chat for a different day. Um, but no, I'd back for them. I feel like there's ingredients there. And after an, I'd say they'd have a nice one or two piece in January. And we, we can fly with this team in, come January. All right. We're going to try and sprinkle that a tad predictable magic onto Fulham this season. They will be our team of the 23-24 season. Look, Khaled protested last season when Aston Villa eventually got the nod. It turned out we were right. I don't know why he was protesting. And I'm, I'm st- I think we're kind of owed an apology from him. Um, hopefully the Fulham you know, announcement goes a little bit better with everyone involved with the tab predictable. I'm sure it will be the talk of the town at the water cooler tomorrow morning, but guy let's move on to West Ham versus Everton. I do like the fact that the fixtures are spread out this coming weekend. It's one fixture on the Friday, four fixtures on Saturday, five fixtures on Sunday, like God intended. Not this whole thing of having one fixture on a Sunday. That that was just horrible. That was absolutely horrible yesterday. But yeah, West Ham versus Everton. Look, West Ham, they will be licking their wounds. They they got a bit of a hammering yesterday against um, Aston Villa, no pun intended. They tried to fight back. Uh, Bowen looks to be in good form at the moment. But coming up against Everton, I think Everton away from home, probably works better for them at the moment because when they start slow it it gets a bit heavy for them at Goodison Park I feel so a West Ham team away from home a West Ham team that would have been playing in Europe as well I'm calling upset alert here I think Everton get the result I'm going 1-0 Everton today we'll fall them just conceded as soon as he made of course look this is game week 10 right these are predictions for game week 10, so it doesn't count yet. Man, they are playing two left-footed centre-backs, and that disgusts me a bit. Die, you have bit... to move on. The ah, come made. on. You have to move on. I need to fix that. Um, or I'm, I'm silent protest now. Um, <laughs> no, I, I can't see Everton beating West Ham. I, I don't care. They could be playing, like, peak Barcelona in midweek. I, it, it's not happening. Um, defend, like, the Villa game was so weird. <clears throat> like, I thought Ariola had a bit of a mare, and he's... Literally, as I watched that game, I was some reason thinking, if Allison left for some reason, I'd be like, if we wanted a stopgap goalkeeper, I'd probably take him. And then he was dreadful. So mm. I may have cursed him there. Um, but I think Ariola's one of the better goalkeepers in the league. The two centre-backs, I think, as a pair, and I know it's weird saying this after a 4-1 loss or whatever it was, um, 
I think as a pair, they're probably two of the best ones outside the top seven. And I, maybe not. Man United is iffy, but Varane is still good. Um, but I just don't see it with Everton. Like, what, like the Merseyside derby is the Merseyside derby. But they played so cowardly against Liverpool. And Liverpool's issues with half 12 kickoffs are the most well documented thing in the world. You go at them, you attack them, you score, and then it's a struggle. Wolves did it last national break. Man City will do it next national break, international break. Everton, hide at the back. All game. Now, I know they got to play sent off on the 30th minute or whatever it was. And if that Calvert Lewin header goes in, maybe. But that was literally the only chance they had. And that was the first, say, 30 seconds, a minute. Like, after an international break, attack Liverpool. It just works. It just always works. And to then to have the least passes in the Premier League game this season, it's a tad embarrassing, especially when it's their biggest game of the season, except maybe the other Merseyside derby. Um. So I can't see it, and I think West Ham will be burned for blood after what happened at the weekend. Maybe they get those demons out of them in, in midweek, but they'll want to come back to the Premier League, and David Moyes, I, he may hate Everton now. Who knows? He probably doesn't, but I think West Ham are just a good team. They, I think they just need to find a successor for for Antonio, um, and I think they'll be golden. I think... The Villa game was just a bit weird because Paqueta was awful. The defence was awful. Bowen was probably the only one who turned up. So I think I, I don't think that'll happen two, two game weeks in a row. So I'll back West Ham and I'll go 3-1. Yeah, 3-1 West Ham. What have you got against Everton? Well, you have taken shots at Everton all podcast. So this does make sense. Let's move on to Aston Villa versus Luton. Um for Aston Villa, I, you know, the commentators kept mentioning it, and it is a fact that there were two points, you know, depending on how this Tottenham game goes, two points away from the top of the Premier League table. They had that awful game against Newcastle at the beginning of the season. But since then, guys, they've been looking really impressive. Unai Emery is cooking at, uh, at Aston Villa at the moment. They continue the good sprinkle of form that they had since they became you know, the the team of a tap predictable last season. In that spirit, can we go with anything other than a sort of 2-0, 3-0 Aston Villa win? How, how confident are you feeling about Aston Villa in this game? I've gone 3-0. Yeah, as much as I want to back Luton in this game, and it was really good to see them come back in a game uh, yes. and be prolific uh, against um, Forest. I just don't see Villa having... Well, I think there is a route for Luton, the big physical forwards. Paul yeah. Torres is still a La Liga centre-back. Yeah. He ain't built for that. I'm surprised he got through Mikel Antonio, but I think his powers are waning. So, we need, Ivan Tony is the new litmus test, and he's not available. So we, need, <laughs> we need a new one. <laughs> we need a physical striker to litmus test people. Um, anyway, I think there is a route. If you put it on um, Adebayo, Morris... Oh, Ben is quite big for a week. Um, so I think there is a route there, but 
Watkins, what is it? I think it is he third behind Salah and Haaland in terms of goal contributions in the year 2023 or something like that. I'm sure that was the stat going around. He's just been fantastic. Um, Zaniolo, who's obviously in that betting scandal as well with um, with uh, Tenali. Tenali, yeah. He he's looked like a really smart signing. I think he's just on loan. <laughs> save some save some graces if you get banned for a little while. <laughs> um, but he's been really good. Like Bailey's been rejuvenating. I'm not. I've not even talked about like people like Diaby, who's been fantastic since they've joined. Um, I just Villa at home. Unai Emery at home is just a different beast. Um, I don't know. They just beat West. Was it West, was it West Ham? Yep. It was at West Ham. Um, so he's learning. He knows how to do it away from home now. Oh no no no. The the West Ham game was at home. Oh. I, I thought you meant did they so, beat West yeah. Ham? Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. So yeah. You can't have two Claret and Blue teams in the league. It's <laughs> um, no, but I think Villa at home is just a different animal. Um, I'll I'll give Luton a goal. I'll say a free one, but I'd be I'd be stunned if Villa dropped points there. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to Brighton versus the now elected team of a tad predictable Fulham. For Brighton, they showed some fight against City in that second half, but. I think the blueprint of how to play Brighton, unfortunately for them, has been showcased um, throughout this season. They're not so solid defensively at the moment. They need to figure that out. Offensively, I still think they've got a lot of firepower. Their movement, their passing, their style of play definitely causes teams problems. The worry for me for Fulham is they've not been very impressive going forward and coming up against Brighton, it seems like it's going to be a game, not necessarily who's defending better, but who's going to get, the, who's going to be more prolific going forward. And I have to give the advantage to Brighton in this one. I'm going two-one to Brighton. Yeah, it's weird with Brighton. You don't see them lose many in a row, do you? And obviously losing the city. Um, I think they play Ajax in the middle of the week, who are uh, like, I think they're bottom of the Eredivisie, or certainly in the playoff relegation thingy. Which is stunning, to be honest. Um, so, t- technically, they should just spank Ajax, but it might be. <laughs> um, so, maybe, again, might get the demons out in midweek. But Brighton against... Like, I'm watching Fulham slightly in the background here, and they're playing quite well. Like, they're quite dangerous on the counter-attack, but they just don't have a striker. Like, Carlos Vinicius is playing... It's just not Mitrovic. Yeah. Um, and this is the issue. Every time I've done a pod with yourself or Dave, it's like, why didn't they buy a striker? That isn't Raul Jimenez in 2023. It's like, what are you doing, lads? Um, yeah, very strange from them. Um, no, I'll back Brighton as well. I think Fulham could hurt them on the counter-attack, because you mentioned the defensive frailties. They just have to be prolific, um, and the injuries are piling up for Brighton. Um, but I will back Brighton. Um, ooh, I don't think they've kept a clean sheet this season, have they? I don't think they have. I'll give them their first clean sheet and I'll say 2-0 Brighton if I'm right with that stat. Interesting stuff there. Let's move on to Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest. Liverpool, some might say we're fortunate to get the result against Everton. You know, certainly Everton fans will be feeling that way. I did think Liverpool looked comfortable in that game. They just, it seemed to me it was inevitable that Liverpool were going to get the goal. Um, Everton, you could see what they were trying to do, 
try and you know keep Liverpool out as long as possible and hope for a set piece or, or some sort of physical play to to get them a goal and basically try and win that game one nil. It didn't work out necessarily that way for them. Obviously, um, from Liverpool perspective, I do think they were fortunate that Konate stayed on the pitch. Not necessarily whether or not it's a yellow card or not. Just the ref was refereeing the game in a way that that was a yellow card. Mm-hmm. It, it, you just can't escape that. If if he wants to referee the way he wants to referee, be consistent throughout the game. And consistency would have led to Konate being sent off. I do, though, think that Konate being sent off would mean Everton would have pushed out more. And that probably would have been a problem for them, ironically. I think the 10 men allow them to sit back and make it really difficult and just camp in their box and say, you know, break us down. Yeah. Whereas with 10 men, they probably would have been a little bit more adventurous going forward and perhaps would have ended up, you know, conceding a lot more, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And, and at uh, that stage, did they, were they, what did they have the four centre-backs on? Three, yeah. Four centre-backs. So if they four, yeah. went a bit more expansive with four centre-backs, it <laughs> We probably would have brought on Darwin anyway because we were going to do that against Spurs with ten men. Yeah, I, I think it just I think it would have opened the game up more. Like it's all you obviously wouldn't know, but we were playing horrendously and we're still, except the final pass, we were getting to so many dangerous positions. But exactly. When we brought on Elliot and Darwin, which I still think we would have done, maybe just not at the expense of say Costas, for instance, if we went down to ten men. Um. <clears throat> I think we still would have created something. Um, or maybe Everton would have just accepted a point if it was down to 10 men each. Because if they had four centre-backs on, just go break us down even more now and just take a point. But, yeah. But I, do, I do think, um, from from a Liverpool perspective, that, they, yes, they, they weren't necessarily firing on all cylinders, but... BT or TNT Sport as they now are, they were so keen to talk about how well Liverpool weren't really creating that many chances, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. A lot of Liverpool's good shots got blocked. Like Everton were throwing their bodies left, right, and centre. So obviously that doesn't register as a shot on target. But Liverpool were causing Everton problems. Just the fact that they weren't all necessarily on target wasn't too big of an issue for me looking at that game because they were getting shots off. A lot of them were being blocked. Everton weren't going to be able to do that the entire game, I didn't think. And that's why I, I thought it inevitable that Liverpool were going to go and win that game. I think the unfortunate thing for Nottingham Forest in this game is they don't have a player like Owane to play against Liverpool and run into the channels that, you know, the Liverpool fullbacks leave that space in behind. Chris Wood's pretty much going to stay down the middle. And we've seen the physicality of Van Dijk this season. We've seen yeah. Matip play well this season. I think he's been unfortunately um, been unfortunate to be dropped out of the starting eleven so far this I, season. I think Klopp wants Konate to be first choice, but it's kind of been up and down where Matip's just been pretty much good to really good whenever he's but, played. But we've seen that with Klopp throughout his tenure. He does have his favourites. Yeah, um, it's not it's not a uh, you know it's not on merit that some of the players play at times. So I, I yeah, but I do think the fact that you know it's Chris Wood up front. Uh, I think Liverpool will be able to handle him. Whoever plays next to Van Dijk in this game, I've gone two 0 Liverpool. Yeah, I think in terms of how Forest could hurt Liverpool, it's the wingers we mentioned earlier on when we were picking our team. Um, it's whoever's going to 
attack the space left by Trent when he goes into midfield. Um, I'm not sure who's played on the left side for them. I'm guessing it'll be one of a Langer or Callum Hudson Adoy. Um, it's weird. I'm not seeing a lot of Forest this season. Um, but whichever winger t- goes on their left hand side, he they have to be the main counter attacking threat. And when Forest it was beat, a Langer in the last game, was it a Langer? Right? Helps, okay. yeah. So he's he's very fast and very good. To be fair, um, but how Forest beat Liverpool last season was just breaking the first line of the press, and I think it was a warning who just destroyed. Um, our defensive line. Yeah. I think our defensive line's rejuvenated enough to deal with something like that, especially it's Chris Wood over or on E, unless he's back fit um, for the game. It's, it's just whether they can get a threat down our wings rather than the centre spaces. And I think we deal with that because Dominic Subos like, like, I know people find it cringe that Liverpool fans, like, overhype players. But I can't get over enough how much of an upgrade he is on Aspen <laughs> midfield last season. <laughs> like, Jesus, he's fantastic. So I just, I'm so confident in our team this season. It's just, it's really nice to, because last season I was miserable all the time. Um, I'll back Liverpool, especially at home. I think we're turning Anfield back into um, what it was under Klopp for the most part. And I, I'll go. I'll agree with you. I'll go 2-0. 2-0 to Liverpool in that one. Obviously, Liverpool have a Europa League fixture on Thursday. We'll see whether or not that affects them going into the weekend. But they should have a deep enough squad to, to still be able to be a problem for Nottingham Forest, especially at Anfield. Let's move on to what many will consider the game of the weekend. Man United versus Man City. Now, from a Man United perspective, they're hoping that it's a case of form goes out the window. Uh, in a derby because I don't think they've looked impressive at all this season. I've not seen signs of how they could be impressive this season. And I think they should be worried. Yes, they've gotten some results. Obviously, that last minute wonder goal from Delow or close to the last minute wonder goal from Delow against Sheffield United saw them get all three points should there. Say that. <laughs> Look, I, I, I just don't think they've looked impressive this season. Some would argue neither have City, but this is kind of how City start seasons. They're effective. They get the results. And I I worry about if Johnny Evans and Maguire are the centre-back pairing against Haaland and Alvarez. Maybe they've got the experience to keep um, Haaland quiet and, and not physical with him. We've seen Haaland be locked up by certain defenders this season. But Alvarez just seems like a, a play on form at the moment. He seems to be the, the the key forward for Man City at the moment. And again, if you then start worrying too much about Alvarez, that just leaves him in more space for Holland, And we know what he can produce. I just think this game is shaping up. It's at Old Trafford. We know Man United. It's a pride thing for them. They need to pull off a result here. But I... I Again, I don't think they've played well this season and it comes to fruition in this game. I've gone with a 3-1 Man City win. I think they put Man United to the sword in this one. Yeah, I wouldn't. it wouldn't surprise me if it was something like what Liverpool has been doing at United, to be honest. I just... <clears throat> I don't see many ways United can hurt City because 
you've got the pace of Kyle Walker, so he can deal with Rashford. You've got the centre-back and defensive awareness of basically the other three, which would probably be if Stones is fit, so now he's in and out with injury at the minute. You've got Stones, Diaz, and then Gavardiola or Aki at left-back. Like, Anthony doesn't do anything, apart from <laughs> score the odd worldie. So I think whoever the left-back is could deal with him. Hoyland, maybe, but Diaz is really good. Like, I saw, did you see that thing going around saying Diaz was overrated? That's and, Van D- and Van Dyke was overrated. And then you've got people saying Saliba's the best back in the world and like that. I was like, lads, come on. Um, Diaz is fantastic. Um, Stones is really good as well. I think Stones may be a bit overrated. Just a bit. Oh. Just a bit. I think defensively he's a bit overrated, but he's a fantastic player. Um, but either of that, I think they just deal with all of United's threats. Bar Bruno Fernandes doing something magical, but Rodri's back, so that doesn't really come into it anymore. Whereas you look at City's front line, what, Lindelof at left back again? Most likely. Against, say, Alvarez, and if they want to go back to an all, maybe put Doku on Lindelof at right wing. No, that doesn't sound fun. Um, Dallow or Wan, but no, Wan Bissaka's injured, so it'll be Dallow. Dallow against Grealish or Doku doesn't sound fun. Um, even if they had Martinez fit, if Martinez against Harlan last year was bullying, so yeah. it's probably better they have Maguire and Johnny Evans there than Martinez, and overruns. Varane's their best player by a million, or most important player by a, by a lot. <laughs> um, I No, I just can't see where Man United do anything in this. The only thing that's niggling in the back of my head is they just randomly beat Man City. And I know it was an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing, but it's still just there. I wouldn't predict it because it's illogical and stupid. But if they win, that's the only thing. There's no logic there. It's just something that's happened. <laughs> It's just random, but we need to say it because if we don't, they'll be like, oh, you said that. Um, but other than magic happening, City will win this game. Um, and I will go 5-1. Man oh, absolute hammering to end off a tad predictable podcast. Guy, that is going to do it for another episode of a tad predictable. Do you have anything you want to put over plug or promote before we wrap up? Uh, buh, buh, buh. I don't know what I'll be next on. Probably on Friday's episode of Two Footed to my next podcast. If I'm alive, then. Hopefully you are, um, executive producer. Uh, we would certainly miss you if you were gone. Guy, from my end, um, go and check out EPR Index website. Their match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all the news that you guys could wish for. Go and check out, uh, as guys mentioned, the Two Footed podcast with Dave Hendrick. That's a weekly show, um, Monday to Friday. They do, he discusses all of the happenings of Premier League news and, and just the Premier League scene as a whole. Um, go and check out EPR Roundtable. Um, that's what Kev DeVries Way sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They also discuss Premier League sort of towards the end of the week, usually out on Sundays. Go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go and follow at EPR Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPR Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. 
I've been Tidio Chenekere. You can find me on Twitter at Tad Predicts. A huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody McInnes. She's at Spursy141. For our guest intros, our producer behind the glass, and he was in front of the mic today, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. And congratulations to Fulham, ATP 23-24 team of the season. Cancelo, oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah, oh, sensational! Son had a go and still a beauty! Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemann! De Bruyne! And it is Wood. Oh, Simnelli, gorgeous! Still going up! Oh, he's done it again! Sports Social Podcast Network.